0: original scripture of where we started, where this book started. Uh, Tonight we're going to be on page 121, Disciple Makers as Tour Guides, Disciple Makers as Tour Guides. But We're going to start with the passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 says, Go ye therefore... And teach all nations. I went over this today again. I know we talked about it some time, but you know, I do this and that's why I, I've discovered some things and I, I suggest you do the same, but I read the same things over and over and over. Yeah. And so I went back and look at this. I don't know how many times I've gone look at it up. So I go back and look at it and it says go ye therefore and teach all nations. And if you can translate that text, it's saying, go ye therefore to all nations and disciple people. When you look up the word teach, the way it translates from the Greek or the Hebrew, it's translated make disciple, make pupil, students. So when we think teach, we think sitting down in the classroom, getting taught and I'm sure that has something to do with, it, do with it when you're making disciples. But if you read it correctly, it's saying, Go ye therefore to all nations and make disciple." So we're supposed to make disciple, and it's talking about all of us. All of us are supposed to make disciples. And so you'll see as we go through this book tonight, um, this chapter tonight, you'll see some of the things that um, is just standard things. And because we are from the Western culture, we, we miss some things, you know? Um, we miss some things when we start thinking about some of the Bible from our Western culture standpoint. So, how we know things to be here in America, in North America, sometimes you will read the scripture and you will misinterpret the scripture because you're thinking of it from the standpoint of how we do things here in North America. But if you will think about it from how things are in the Midwest, it will, it will in, in the Middle East, um, you will see that it have more meaning. It will make sense. Um, so we'll talk about that in a little bit, why it was so important that he says, go and make disciples. We'll, we'll talk about that and see where it takes us. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And I told you, the Son is Jesus, the Father is Jesus, the Holy Ghost is Jesus. And so for those people that make a big deal of that text, you know, a lot of times we just believe what we want to believe. We like to listen to what we want to listen to. But if you look at that and it says, you know, baptizing them in the name, name is singular, but it listed three different titles. So there's a lot behind it. Sometimes I just say, let's just move on because you're going to want to believe what you want to believe. But the bottom line is, he says, go ye therefore, right, and teach, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Okay. Father is not a name. So that's another thing there we've got to think about. In the name of the Father, Father is not a name. In the name of the Son, Son is not a name. In the name of the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost is not a name. So, again, if we go and get baptized in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the question is, what name did you get baptized in? Oh, it's the same. It's the same. What did the Bible say? You just got to go with what the Bible says. I'm a big believer in what did the Bible say? Well, it's the same, isn't it? What did the Bible say? And if the Bible says it this way, I'm doing it the Bible way. I'm not going to just assume it's the same. And so we said the name is the, the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. And so the bottom line is um, we're supposed to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes, you know, it's easy to just overlook certain things. And say, ah, That can't be that important. Again, the way our God sees things and does things, we can't mess with that and think that oh it's no big deal again that's our western culture go to the um the middle eastern culture and you see everything means something it's specific so they do it because it means something it's specific they don't try to leave anything out but us in north america well, what's the big deal that's cause that's our culture and it's getting us in trouble as opposed to just read the bible and says what does the bible say and go by it we will do better if we would just trust the bible and not just say what's the big deal because of our Culture. We don't want to do that. So it's important to do that. Then it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. There's another thing that comes up in that text that says, and lo, I'm always with you, even till the end of the world. So one of the things you want to pay attention to, he says, go and make disciples and keep teaching the disciples. And I will be with you to the end of the world. So here is wisdom. If I want to know that Jesus is with me, whether I'm feeling it or not, all I got to do is stay in the mode of making disciples. Because you're not going to always feel like he's with you. There are times I know the Lord is with me. And there are times where you're like, Lord, you around here? he's around you just don't feel him but the bottom line is if I'm engaged in discipling someone if I'm engaged in teaching someone constantly then I don't have to ask that question I just know he said it so I don't have to question myself anymore and says is he really yes he is because I'm doing what he told me remember I told you before um, when we start getting worried and kind of uncomfortable about things in God it's because you know you haven't been kind of straight with God that's another thing that I learned from myself and from others when you start getting worried about stuff in God you're worried because you haven't been straight with God so you're trying to figure out is he going to do something with me now is he going to punish me is he going what is he going to do cuz I just haven't been flying straight but if you're flying straight and something go on you say, hey eh, God is with me. I know it's all things. Now we start quoting all things work together for good (laughs) to them that love. Yeah, because, you know, you're flying straight. So just check yourself when you start worrying about what's the story with God. It's because you have been flying straight. So all you got to do, get on your knees. God, I have concern in my spirit. I'm worrying about this and I know better. So if I'm worried, must be something within me that's not right. Help me to get rid of that. Help me to work this, whatever it is that's in me, that's making me question you, help me to work that out. So I don't question you because I know whatever you say, it will and it shall come to pass. So what am I worried about? Amen? Page 121, last paragraph. Jesus commanded all his disciples in every generation to go... And make disciples. We just read that, right? He did not speak these words. Listen, I said this word five times tonight, and I'm not going to say it again today, tonight, because it make me bite my tongue whenever I say it. Okay? So, analogous, analogously, analogously, that's just not a good word. I want to talk to Brother Gleason about that, or methodically, <laughs> but. His directive should literally be taken to heart by every serious Christian as we discuss throughout this book. A disciple is one who follows to lead. Now, a lot of us, I'm I'm telling you, I just got to come straight tonight. A lot of us are not making disciples or doing not doing a good job making disciples or not even attempting to be uh make disciples because we're not good followers. Mhm. Because if you will follow real good, you won't have a problem making disciple. But when you're not a good follower, then you're going to feel like a hypocrite trying to help somebody. You might not say it to yourself But we all have, the women call it intuition, but it's consciousness. That's the first way, that's the first thing God put in man so man could be aware of a lot of things. Your conscience, consciousness. And with a lot of bad things that we've done over the years, it interfered with our consciousness. So what happens to us a lot of times is our conscience mess with us and that's how we kind of, uh, but the bottom line is if we're not a good follower, we're going to not be a good leader. So in order to ever lead anything or anyone, you got to follow real good. Mhm. And if you got any problem with the person you're following, then you're going to be stuck. This is why it's important And I don't want to say this, but I have to be truthful about it. If you're ever in a church that you don't really uh, believe in that pastor or some of the people there, it's not a good place for you to be. Now, that's being honest. That's not that's not taking shots at anybody. I'm I'm worried my my whole position ever since I got saved is people's soul, not any other agenda. I can't I don't mess with agendas. I look at people as souls and what does God want from you and so I have to tell you the truth because I worry about you I'm not worried about anything else so if someone is in a congregation and they don't have confidence in the leader of the congregation and some of the other leaders in the congregation you're not going to become who you have to become in God because you have to have confidence in the leader and the people in the church because you won't follow them and if you don't follow them nobody will follow you when you try to lead You got to reap what you sow. And that's why I always say, we need to support each other whatever we do. Because your time will come when you want to be supported. And if you don't get supported, you're going to get disgruntled. Why? Because how come nobody... Well, stop a minute. Were you supporting others? Because I just know how faithful God is. And His word is always truthful. You're going to reap what you sow. And so if I support you, Bob, and maybe something comes up in my life and you can't support me, but maybe Brother Chubby will support me. I can't worry about who supports me. I just got to thank God that his word is still true, that if I treat someone right, others will treat me right. I can't worry about where it's coming from. See, sometimes we get that twisted to say, well, I treat Bob great, but Bob never treat me great. Yeah, but what if everybody else is treating you great? Don't worry about Bob. Uh Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like I've treated a lot of people good, and they didn't treat me good back, but other people treated me good. I thank God for that, because God's word is still true, that you will reap what you sow. So it's not about who does it for you, it's that God's word is true. You're going to reap what you sow. If you put this out, it will come back to you. So we have to follow to lead. And maybe we need to stay there all night long. Um, one of the things that may have transpired over the recent years is when I was going to church, and probably a little bit before my time. It's always something. What people did when they came into church, they really did follow their pastors. They mimicked their pastors. Their pastor was everything to them. I know. I, was, I know it was me. Everything my pastor told me, I did. But I think over the years, maybe some pastors kind of erred or erred or messed up or whatever. And because of that, we started getting away from following the pastor the way they used to follow the pastor. There's always consequence to everything. And when you paint everything with a broad brush, you got to be careful and so because some pastors have messed up does that mean every pastor going to mess up so i'm just not going to follow that man like that see that's the game we have to pl- that's the game we play with ourselves sometimes is okay i've watched those people follow that pastor and look what happened to that pastor so i'm just going to be cautious and careful out that's what we say so now where does that leave you though Because you're cautiously following, you're cautiously following might just mean, "Mm, whatever I like I'll do, whatever I don't like I don't do. That's your way of following now. That's not really following. Yeah, that's a tough one now, that's a tough pill to swallow. How do you handle that? You follow people because you have faith and confidence in God, people. If everybody will get that, you won't worry about man. I followed the man wholeheartedly because of the God who I really trust and I was holding on to because I know he will never leave me nor forsake me. He told me, go make disciple and he will be with me always. I trusted that God and I still do today. So I trust him that if someone take advantage of me, then so be it. I trust him. I don't know where that attitude is with most people in church now. I trust the God of the man. That's who I trust. And when I trust that God, I don't worry about nothing else. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I trust God. God loves me. God loves you. So when you know God loves you and you begin to follow the way God says you need to follow, what are you worrying about? God ultimately has you. I was just thinking tonight, I said, what if I come in here tonight and says, Sunday, we're all going to wear green and gray. I'm just telling you all how this message is working on me. I said, what if I come in and say, we all wear green and gray Sunday? Will everybody come in with green and gray? No. I'm just showing you how we are. Maybe the Lord woke me up and said, tell him, put on green and gray. I'm going to do something special. <laughs> but if I say we're green and gray, some going to come and some won't. Because we have drawn the line to said and decided what we will follow and what we won't follow. Remember I told you? I wasn't in the choir. And the choir wore black on fourth Sunday and sang. Bob, I wasn't in the choir. But I noticed every fourth Sunday, the choir wear all black. I started wearing all black. Why are you wearing all black, bro? You're not in the choir. I just, I'm just doing what they do. You're an idiot, man. You should have your own mind. Thank God for that stuff, man. I wish I can transmit that back into the people nowadays. I thank God for if you want to call it stupidity, if you want to call it sold out, if you want to call it ignorance. I don't know what you want to call it. But I thank God that that's how I started living for God, that I have so much confidence. Remember, I told you I watch people go up to the altar Um, anytime we had church service when they were going out of town. Or they were sick. They would get up. Oh, pastor, we're going out of town. Can you pray for our family? And I watched that. And I see people get sick. Oh, pastor, will you pray for us? I love the man of God. And I had confidence in him. But I started praying for myself. I said, I know the God he serves. I serve that same God too. So that God's going to heal because he pray. He going to heal because I pray. And so I started laying hands on my own self. Oh, I got healed. It's never about the person. It's about God. And if you would just live your life saying, God, I'm going to follow blindly, it's up to you. Oh, my God, I can't tell you what God will do in your life. But the, the moment you start following because I like that, but I don't like that, you put yourself in jeopardy and you cut off your growth spurt. You just do. You just do. If you read a whole lot of this chapter you'll see that's a whole lot of what's going on following somebody is mimicking them. Yes. And so the 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 the, the other question is I'm I'm still in the in 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 our reading but I'm all over it cuz I just so much just hit me when when I was reading it. and and so the the biggest thing is will you Follow and do what you see the leader doing or you're going to be like, I'm not doing that. You got got to make that decision. You got to make that decision. I believe this is what church has become. And we asked a lot of questions on our last leadership training. And I think I'm getting some of the answers now. I think church has become what it has become because we've drawn the line in the sand that says, I'm not doing that. I'll do that. But I'm not doing that. That's not following. And you're going to stay right where you are. You will get a little nugget here and there. You'll learn a little something. You'll get a little, every once in a while you feel touched from the Lord because the Lord is so good to us. He's steady trying to bring us closer to him. So you'll get a little touch. You'll get a little wisdom. And, but you're still going to be in the same place. And you won't grow because there's only one way to grow. Make disciples. There's no other way to grow. The other way is we can keep studying our Bible. If you keep studying and studying and studying and you don't use it, what they say? Don't use it, you lose it. So let's, okay, study your Bible. Read every day. Underline stuff. Pray about it. It will be all in your mind. But if you don't use it, where does it go? Sooner or later, you won't remember it. Oh, what's that scripture I talk about so-so? You won't remember it because you're not using it. But if you get up every day and you pray, you you, you study it, and now you're moved around, and now you're going to use it, guess what? You'll remember. I remember where a lot of scriptures were. Why? Because I was using it and people wanted to know. That scripture, Sister um, um, Sharon, um, John uh, chapter 9, verse 31, I'll never forget that. Because people always wanted to know, I pray, God hears me pray, go look at it, for God hears not the prayers of sinners. I never forgot that text. Why? I used it because people wanted to tell me something. I'm like, that's not the way it works. Then I, I studied Romans 8 and 9. I just It's just so many scripts that stuck in my brain because I was using it. If you want stuff to stay with you, you got to use it. You can't just store it up. And you won't be able to lead anybody if you don't follow properly. That's where we are. In case you thought I got off of that. I didn't get off of that. You got to follow properly. And don't follow because I'm, I'm, I'm not gifted enough. Don't follow because I need more talent. Don't follow. Whatever it is, don't look. Just don't worry about me. Trust God. I know I need to be sharper. I know I need no more. I know more. I, I know there's a lot of things in me that need to be improved. I understand that. But still follow me if you're in this church because it's not about me. It's about your relationship with God. And God wants to know if you can submit to somebody, he will never allow you to be in authority of anybody else. Remember, none of us know our last purpose in calling in God. We don't know. We're all trying to figure it out. We're all trying to see where God has taken us. Because you choose not to follow me, you might never get to your destiny. That's how deep this is. It's never, listen, David had to be under Saul's authority and Saul wanted to kill him. You explain that. I don't want to kill you. So no matter what I think, no matter what you come come to in your mind about me, I don't want to kill you. (laughs) So can you imagine David under Saul's authority and the Lord is not bringing him from under Saul's authority? He got to still follow Saul. So what's our problem now in following someone that supposedly looked like they're following Christ? What's what's our problem with that? What are we going to say? I ain't David. We we always got an excuse. The point of the story, though, is David was to become king of Israel. If he couldn't follow Saul, he would never. Y'all got to get it. He was supposed to become king of Israel. But part of the requirement is you're going to have to follow a king that went bad and doing bad. You're going to have to follow him and submit to him. And if you don't do that, you will never reach that destiny of being king. That's how tough this is. But all it comes down to is if the Lord can just speak out to you in a nice, still voice. It's still about you. Having faith and trust in me. So it's not that difficult. You all are making it difficult. It's not that difficult. Because if you have faith and trust in me, it's easy to follow behind any man or woman of God. It's easy. Because what can they do to you if I don't allow it? And if they do something to you that you feel like was wrong, I allowed it. So what are you worrying about? I know what that thing they did to you did to you. So I allowed it because I know what you needed. But somehow we come up with our reasonings. I can't do that. Uh, I don't agree with that pastor. Yeah, sometimes you give a good word, but that I don't agree with. Well, you're cutting off your maturity and growth in God because you have refused to do what God wants you to do, not what I want you to do. So I'm teaching you what God wants you to do, not what I want you to do. Because to be honest with you, if you if you if you if you watch my driving, that will tell you I don't like people following me. <laughs> if you watch me drive, you'll know, yeah, he don't like people following him. So we might, you know, we have our perspective on things. And so we might sit around and say, yeah, I'm not following him. I don't want you following me personally, but God will check me on that. So I just said that to tell you my personal feelings, but God in his just loving way of transforming my life, got me to the place where you better let them follow you, Wayne. Okay, Lord, slow down, Wayne, and let them follow you. That's how you dealing with me. And I better do that. Don't you be running so far ahead like you're driving. Wait for them. Slow down. Okay, Lord. You know, I just like to race ahead, Lord. You know, car pretty fast. You know, Lord, I just like to move right on ahead. I like to be out uh, and get there first. I don't care what you like to get first. You wait for those folks and you work with them. That's what I get. So if you asking, if you think I feel good telling you you need to follow me. Woo. All right. Let's get some more in this book. Flip over. We're not going to get too far in this book because the main thing is that hit me tonight as been looking over this the past three days is the whole thing about follow to lead. And that's bothering me um, because I'm worried about us not following to lead. Um, there's some things that are obvious. Um, I know when I was in church, there's some things that were obvious that I just did. I just did it. I looked. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll do that. Because anything a man of God did, like, like, if I saw your life as a man of God and you, you you know, you seem spiritual and mature, I just, oh, man, if you're spiritual and mature like that, and you do, and you live like this, I want to do that, too. Because I'm thinking everything works. Everything counts. Right? And so I just did it anyhow. And, and you might have asked, well, why are you doing that? He's just a man of God. And that's what he do. So I'm doing it. <laughs> that had nothing to do with anything. I just believe if, if that's a man of God doing that, let me do it too. All right. Page 122, second paragraph. The whole disciple-making motif of developing mature Christians is somewhat of a vague illustration to the western mind not until recent years has mentoring become a vogue for job orientation in corporate america however disciple making was an integral part of first century jewish culture jesus did not give his future followers the prerogative thank you okay of determining what would be the best or most effective way to establish spiritual maturity in new believers of a given culture. Jesus' disciple-making model was intended for disciples of every generation and century to replicate continuously. So, let me tell you what that's saying in snippet. The disciple-making Process was a way or a cultural way of living in the Middle East. This is not it had nothing to do with biblical things. It just had to be it was a cultural way of living. So the bottom line is everybody made disciples one way in one way, shape or form. It's the culture. It's how we stay together and pass things down to our generation. So in order to pass things down, you had to make disciples. Now think about that for a second and wonder why we weren't about our kids. The kids just, did we make disciples and pass it it down with kids and everything? It works. So it was a cultural thing that worked. You know, let's be honest. America is the greatest country in the world. And everybody in the world knows it. But a lot of times what people, if they disgruntled with America, have some issue with America, you know what their issue is? When you go to America, this is what they say in foreign countries, when you go to America, it make you change some of your values. That's what that that's if, if, if you know any foreign group that got, got issues with America, that's what they're thinking. You're changing some of your values, and you're not culturally doing what you normally do because you got to the Western world of America, and look what you're doing now. And when you were back home, you did this and you did that, and blah, 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 blah. Now, we know that some people got here, and they never changed. They just kept on practicing what they've always done. So it's still about you, but we always got to find somebody to blame. But the point is, different parts of the world, different culture. And in the Middle Eastern culture, disciple making wasn't, it was before biblical times. It was just a way of life. And so when they understood the the things of God, that was just natural to just begin to make disciples of God. In the rabbi-disciple dynamic of the first century, the rabbi typically invited a prospective disciple into a mentoring relationship. This required a commitment both on the part of the rabbi and the student. That's another challenge we have. Are we ready to commit our life to leading and is the follower ready to commit their ways to following? That's a question that both person, both individual, have to answer if we're going to have successful disciple making. In this relationship, the rabbi would lead and the disciple followed. The rabbi interpreted scripture, shared his ideas and philosophies about God and Torah, and intentionally shared his knowledge and wisdom concerning life situations and with his young protege. So, here is something to just think about. Are you living... A Christ-like life where someone wants you to disciple them. They see how you conduct yourself and that alone interests them. Right? Because that's how that rabbi disciple thing worked. You knew this rabbi was top-notch. You're like, man, it'd be great if I could get mentored or discipled by this rabbi. He is so eloquent and so amazing and knows so much and he looks so just together. And so you want to be discipled by a rabbi. Nowadays, we don't give each other no respect and credit. We don't look at each other as... This happens in the ministry. And when I say ministry with preachers, um, I heard a preacher say one of the the other reasons why miracles are seen in foreign countries um, more than what we see in Western um, countries one of the reasons, because we know some of the reasons, but one of the reasons is that the ministry respect each other. So if, 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 if you're a man of God, I respect you as a man of God. I don't look at you no other way. You are a man of God. That's what they do overseas. And so because of that, it's still again. What does that do when I stop and say you're a man of God? I, I, I respect you as a man of God. God gets the glory. We keep making it about us. And so in America, North America, we can't respect each other who we are as men of God and women of God and that takes away from our relationship with God. Because it's God that gets the glory. Even if you have thoughts in your mind, well, you know, they not always, you no know, say it anyhow because you're speaking it into existence. Why wouldn't I want to say you're a man of God? I don't care what you're doing. You're a man of God because I want the word of God to get in his heart. I want the power of God to overshadow. You are a man of God. What's wrong with that? We don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, he messed up. That's what we do. In the Western culture, we don't reverence the things of God like they do in foreign countries. And so slow us down, slow us down. But we got to respect each other as men of God. And if we do that, then the opportunity of discipling someone and someone wanting to be disciple will be great. In the, rabbi, this, in, in, in the rabbi-disciple dynamic of the first century, the rabbi typically invited a perspective. I read that already, right? So let's jump down to the next one. It is obviously true that disciple makers must be more mature in their walk with God than their followers or there will be no transformation. Here's a thought I'll share with you again. we may have kind of not make ourselves available to be disciple makers because it keeps us from being accountable. When you become a disciple maker, you are accountable. But if you don't make disciples, you're not a, you don't have to be accountable. Right? So if you're making disciple, if you're bringing someone along on a journey, you're their tour guide, they call you all the time, different times, times when you're not expecting it. And you don't want to not take the call if you can help it because you want to impact their life. You want to help them. You're accountable to them. And you, you, you're, you're there just always understanding that, you know what, I'm responsible to make sure this person's Okay. So when you become a disciple maker, you make yourself accountable to someone that might not be, well, they're not as mature in the scriptures like you are. And so we might have a hard time with that too. But the only way you'll have a hard time with that, go back to what I said originally. Are you following the person that's leading you? That's the big thing. Because if you follow the person that's leading you, one of my pet peeves as a Christian, Brother D, I didn't like this. I try to be, I try to pay attention to things and look at them the right way. I never look at things side-eyed. I I try to look at it for exactly what it is. And one of the things I always had an issue with was preachers say, y'all need to praise God. I struggle with that because I said, why should a preacher tell people to praise God? People just need to praise God on their own. If they got a relationship with God and they love God and God has been good to them, why are they not praising God? So you'll probably notice sometimes with me, I will say, when I want to encourage you to praise God, if God has been good to you, praise him. If you love him, praise him. But here's my little revelation. I just got the flip side of the coin. That preacher that tell you, go ahead and praise God, that preacher's telling you that because he knows if you do, something will happen for you. So much. We got to be careful how we're looking at things. Because that's how I looked at it. And why shouldn't you be telling people to do this and do that? They, they need to know on their own. Don't they walk with God too? But if I care deep enough, Bob, you need to go ahead and praise God. Why? Because I know if Bob prays God, the Bible says he inhabits God. God inhabits Bob praises. And maybe God need, but maybe Bob needs a supernatural touch from God. And the way he's going to get that supernatural touch is by him starting to praise God. And as he prays God, the spirit of God is just going to come in and do something amazing in Bob's life. So it's good that I tell him to praise God. Now, I'm just being so transparent to you. I'm probably not going to say that much because I don't do it, but it just hit me why a pastor would say, you need to go ahead and praise God. Because it's good for you. It's going to help you. I don't know. It's just a lot of things we need to think about. And following to lead is what we're talking about today. You are the tour guide for somebody. And so in order for you to be a good tour guide, I'm sure all tour guides have to train under somebody. You just don't become a tour guy. you don't know everything, so you got to train and learn before you can start telling people about stuff. Mm-hmm. A disciple maker must be must be someone's must be someone worth following. It is not necessary for someone who desires to make disciples to achieve ultimate Christian perfection before he or she attempts to make disciples. In fact, if this were the requirement, one of us or all of us would would not be qualified, right? If we had to reach a certain Christian perfection. So we know that. But no, nevertheless, you have to be more mature in Christ than the person that you are leading. The most important thing about a leader following or a leader-follower relationship is that the leader must be more mature in Christ than the follower. Leaders lead by staying ahead, right. but not too far ahead. See, I was just talking about myself. Yeah, yeah I got to tell my, I got to talk to myself. Um, Bishop Chester Wright, Bishop Chester Wright didn't make it. He was supposed to preach for us the Sunday after he preached here, but something came up. And maybe that was just the will of God, because we're, we're, we're a young church, and Chester Wright is... Up here, man. Chester Wright start preaching. You're like, what does that mean? So he says to himself, I've heard him he said this to us. He says, I'm not a good Bible teacher to young people. He said, I'm just not. I'm too you know, I'm feeding them meat when they just need milk. <laughs> and so when you hear me talking today about staying far ahead, I have to make myself not run away because that's my personality. Because I want to, you know, give me more, give me more, give me more. And the more I get, the more I'm running with it. And so, but but leading, mentoring, discipling, you have to stay just one step ahead. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. You don't want to know you know, try to do, be two and three steps ahead. We encourage our believers to immediately begin to share their faith and testimony with their friends even before they completely obey the gospel. For example, if they have successfully repented, then they can begin to mentor their friends in repentance and so on. You can't take somebody where you've never been. And what that means is you all can go together, but you're not taking them if you've never been there. That's the relationship, leader, follower. If you've never been there, you can't lead somebody there. You can go with them there. The point is, if, 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 if you're a new Christian, you can teach somebody that's not a Christian. So you don't need to be deep. Just what you have experienced, you can teach it. So we don't have to worry about how deep we have to get. In the word to say, well, preacher, I hear you, but I can't really. Do- no, just teach them what you have experienced. You know that. They don't know it. Teach them what you have experienced, and that will work. Disciple makers understand that if they want the message and the mission of Christ to carry on after they are gone, they must replace themselves. Too many mature believers live their daily lives like they will live forever. They fail to invest everything that they have become personally and intentionally into someone who will outlive them. The tragic result is that their spirit, heart, walk with Christ, and knowledge of God will go with them to the grave. Remember, I keep telling you, I don't know if a selfish Christian will make it to heaven. I don't know if there's such a thing as a selfish Christian. If you're selfish, I can't know I don't know if I can put the title on it because the bottom line is God says to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. So if that's what he's asking us, then if we're not doing that, I don't know we make it in. So the bottom line is if we don't share this with someone again, we're being selfish. Because what we're saying is, I'm going to live my life. When I die, I die. And nobody gets anything from you. You know what's funny about that? If you do that in the natural, they still get what they want. Because when you go on, people just take your stuff. Yeah, when you go on, they just said, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take that. Your boy's going to take what they want, Daryl. <laughs> I get Daryl. They're going to take all your sneakers. <laughs> oh, shit. shit. <laughs> The boys want the sneakers, man. The boys want the sneakers. I might have to come right behind them if you go before me. Yo, let me get one pair of those sneakers. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We get out of here. We we can't take this stuff with us. And so the same thing with with, with all that you have gained spiritually, you can't take it with you. When you get to heaven, you're going to be like Jesus, so it doesn't matter. Why don't we just start giving it away? Here's the other thing, too, and they got a lot of that stuff in there, but here's the other thing, too, that you have to think about. You can't worry about the person that you're discipling will one day become bigger than you. That's the next thing, Bob. I don't know. We've got so many things we got to work through (laughs) because, you know, we, we want to disciple someone, but we don't want them to ever become more important than us. How do we negotiate that, Right? I don't know how we negotiate that. But you can't worry about that. Again, it's God's work. It's the kingdom work. And God determined who's going to be this and who's going to be that. You go through it. Moses was great. But Joshua came on and he was just as powerful. And then you go on. The apostle Paul was mentored by Barnabas. But Paul was more powerful than Barnabas. Barnabas was saved before Paul. a matter of fact, he was the one that brought Paul into church. After the church said, man, we don't trust you. You've been... You know, trying to cause havoc with Christian men. We don't trust you. Are you really saved anyway? And Barnabas was like, come on, man, don't worry about it. And Barnabas put his arms around him and brought him in church and said, this dude, is the, he's legit. He's the real deal. And so Paul was able to to start getting, you know, recognized by others and, and start to do what God called him to do because someone discipled him. Yes. So the bottom line is this. You can't worry about what someone else will become as you're mentor. As a matter of fact, though, why don't we just think about it like this? All of you there, are parents want your children. Well, I think I was going to say it, but, you know, you got to stop. I think we all as parents want our children to be more successful than us. I think so, right? Okay. I, I'm just checking. <laughs> you know, no, I don't want them being more successful than me but but I think we do and if we do that's the approach we have to have when we're mentoring or discipling someone I should say if you're discipling someone you can't worry about what God will make them become my pastor was, was, was kind of discipled by a good friend of his that wasn't really anybody special in the church and then you know, my pastor started pastoring and just, just had a rock church. Church grew big and did great things. But the dude that kind of witnessed to him and kind of discipled him was like, just a regular guy. Can we deal with that? That you'll be a regular guy, a regular gal in the church, but the person you spoke to, today became something super duper. And you okay with that? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know? Because this is how I look at it. Man, God used me to touch that person's life. That's all right. But these are things that I guess we have to just discuss within our spirit and outwardly so we understand and we know where we're going. We have to understand where we're going. And I know sometimes we want to get together and, you know, all this stuff. But we got to talk about these things that's going to help us move along. We're we stagnated and we're not moving forth. And so we got to have real talk. And real discussions in order to move along. I won't come all the time to give you this, you know, message that, oh, you know, no, we got to talk. Because if we don't talk and discuss things, then we won't get to look at things the way we need to look at it and make some moves. Anybody have any questions about anything that I've said? Elijah, we know that he discipled. Elisha and we know how that went Elisha did more miracles than Elijah yes we have to we have to just take it for what it's worth and say you know what I'm going to disciple someone and if they do something great for God I'm good page 126 we're almost there second paragraph the apostle Paul said that believers have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light that's First Peter 2 and 9. Peter apparently understood that spiritual immigrants would have a challenge. They were leaving one land for another land and leaving one culture for another culture. How much easier it is to make the transition from one kingdom to another kingdom if accompanied by a tour guide. When Jesus said, go make disciples, he understood that these post sinners, pre saints would need someone to show them the ropes, teach them the customs and explain why they do the things we do. Isn't that important? I can imagine going to Israel, having no, didn't, didn't have my man, um, um, that that was our tour guide. I'll tell you his name in a second. I forgot his name for a second. But the, the bus driver's name was Obed Edom. Now I don't know if you know that's that that's a dude in in in, in the scriptures um, where the Ark of the Covenant was um, at his house. And and our bus driver name was Obed, and the, and the tour guide was Abraham. Can you imagine the bus driver Obed Edom and the tour guide Abraham? If we didn't have them when we was in Israel, I don't know what would happen. Is that the Red Sea? Is that Sea of Galilee? We wouldn't know anything. We would be going around asking questions. Excuse me? And then you get getting different versions from different people from their little bit of knowledge. But how nice is it to have a seasoned, knowledgeable, someone that's been there, understand it, to take you through a, a tour and explaining things to you? this is what this is. This is what Abraham was sharp, man. He gave us, oh, he was good. And Obed knew how to handle that Mercedes-Benz tr- um, bus. He drove a Mercedes-Benz bus. I mean, we was going up um, the, 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 the Golan Heights, and it was like this, going up the Golan Heights. That Mercedes bus was climbing. It was moving. I said, man, we we getting good hands with Jesus and these two guys. we good. No problem. An apostolic culture, 127 at the top. An apostolic... Uh, Church culture is equally foreign to first-time guests. They don't understand demonstrative worship, emotional responses to the presence of God, the spirit they are feeling, passionate preaching, or Pentecostal terminology, unless someone they already know can help them interpret anything. That does not make sense. We must not assume that since we are having good church, and that's in parentheses, that our guests are, are perfectly fine and will automatically want to return because they felt something. They could be so bewildered that they will or would be reluctant to return. So let me tell you what that means. So if someone come in the church and they're a guest, it'd be nice if they come on time that you greet them. Hey, Bob, or let me change Hey, how are you? I'm Wayne. Okay. Well, you see the 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 the, um, the the strategy that I use, I told him my name to tell him tell me your name. I didn't say that to him, but that's just normal way of behavior. So that's your first way of someone came in church Sunday, come in church Sunday and you are trying to meet them. Hey, I'm Wayne. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Okay. Tom, nice to meet you. How did you get here today, Tom? Okay, <laughs> and so and so with with that in mind, I might want to sit next to Tom, because you know he needs somebody to give him a tour guide. And then after the church, I want to say, so what do you think? There is nothing wrong with asking people after church, what did you think of the sur-? As A matter of fact, you will help me. Oh man, I oh, y'all go home now. Um, if you can greet someone, give them your name, they will get your, you will get their name. Okay. And later on, before they leave, you can ask them. So what do you think? Be honest. I do that all the time. What do you think? Be honest. Music was loud. Okay. Um, and they'll tell you things. That's your opportunity to explain it to them we're pentecostals we like to just freely praise the lord we don't put any hindrance to anyone praising the lord i talked about that last week at mercer county i said listen when you just when you get the church man that's on full throttle everybody just do whatever they feel to praise the lord you know you're in the right place but if you're just in the church where they cross their legs and say hmm make sense that's not the place that's not the place You want to be in a place where you can freely express yourself unto the Lord. Again, it's about him, not about you. So when you are in a place where you can freely express yourself to the Lord, that is a great, great thing. So when you talk to that person and introduce yourself, you have their name. So before he, you know, because Tom probably nervous like that place was crazy. And you see him making a beeline to the door. (laughs) Run up behind him, hey Tom, hey I'm glad you stopped in today. So what's your thought? And if he's walking out, walk right along with him. Because he needs a tour guide. (laughs) He needs one that will will, will teach him the ropes. So he won't be like, that place was crazy, I'm not going back there. Everybody needs that to feel comfortable. If they'll get someone that will talk to them, and what would they say when they started talking that language? What was wrong with them? That looked like that was a devil. I'm I'm just telling you what normal people think. You might not pay attention and realize that's what normal people are thinking. Like, what were they saying? That was crazy. Thought that was demonic. No. That's not what that was. The Bible talks about people having to receive the Holy Ghost and that they talked in tongues. That was them just talking in tongues and the Spirit moved on them. It's a it's the Bible thing. It's not a weird thing. Talk to people. Talk to people. Um, all right. Let me finish up here. 131. The second paragraph. It says, When sinners repent are baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost, they have not received a diploma but a birth certificate. They need a more mature believer to go home with them, so to speak. Not having a disciple maker in place for a new believer is like a young couple who just gave birth then wave goodbye to their newborn through the maternity glass at the hospital as if to say, okay, little buddy, we will see you back at the house. (laughs) The command Jesus gave to go make disciple is the answer to harvesting and establishing the great end time revival that is unfolding all around us we have to do a better job in being a tour guide. Next week we'll talk about there you are the attitude of a disciple maker. We all, I think we've only got two more lessons to go and then we're done we're going to finish this book if you want to finish it stick with us we're going to finish this book so you can say you know what I actually read a whole book <laughs> I'm just saying if you don't read a whole book if you stick with me you would have read the whole book And when you see Brother Gleason again, you'll say, Brother Gleason, I read that whole book. Any questions that anyone have, I pray you have questions about something. And I pray uh, you understood where I'm coming from. And if you don't understand where I'm coming from, that you will ask me what I mean about anything. I am not easily offended. And if you ask me something that offend me, I will stay in control and answer your question. I just can't help myself but to be as transparent as I can. That's just what I try to do. And and anyone have any questions about what we talked about for the past five, six weeks about leading to follow, being a disciple maker? I need to start seeing some evidence of it. I guess is where I'm going. I need to start seeing some evidence of it. I'm looking and I'm saying, are you bringing anyone along on the journey? Are you working with anyone? Are you doing anything? And you start in your home and if they don't work in the home, then you look around at your job or in your neighborhood, um, where you go buy your coffee, your gas station, your cleaners, um, any place you frequent, um, you can pray about the people that you encounter ever so often and say, God, someone that I encounter quite often, i know you want to save them someone that i encounter quite often they're ready lord can you just make me aware so i can befriend them and begin to just help them know who you are and to disciple them it is so essential you need to go to the lord about and say god it is too important for me not to be involved with this what am i what do i need to do so i can get involved with making disciples if you ever make one disciple, you will never stop for the rest of your life. There is nothing like watching a person knowing nothing about Jesus and living how they want to and watching their life changing, transforming. You're like on the front row watching Jesus work. It is. Probably the greatest thing that you can experience with your two eyes is watching someone go from not knowing anything about Christ or just barely knowing something about Christ but not following Christ. And you watch your life just get truly transformed. You see that knowing that you had a hand in that, you will never stop doing that. But the, but the whole thing is you, gotta, you have to have one that you actually experienced. You have to have one that you experience, and then you will always say, I will continue to do that. It's, it's, it's worth it. It's, it's, it's too worth it for you not to ever follow through with one of those. Because what does the Lord say? The Bible says, the whole world is not more valuable than one person. That's heavy. Jesus is Lord. One soul, one li- and we're killing people like we're crazy. And God is saying this whole entire world, all the gold, all this, everything that you think is valuable in this world is not worth more than one person. You, Matthew, this whole world, everything in it, all the money, all the jewels, everything in it is not more valuable than you. God thinks different, doesn't he? That is some stuff right there. So the question would be, if we know that, why would we ever kill anybody? <laughs> why would we ever kill anybody if, if we know that? Why would we ever do? Because whatever we're killing them for is not more valuable than them. Boy, God, you something else. The day when we meet him face to face is going to be something because he is something else. The stuff that he says that we know is true. That's why it's important to be a disciple maker because, man, there's a scripture that says um, love covers a multitude of sins. There's a lot of interpretation of that. One of the interpretations is If I love people enough and I reach out to them, guess what? I'll stop them from sinning and I'll probably get some extra favor from God. (laughs) You have everything to gain and nothing to lose when you become a disciple maker. But just being one that comes to church, get the info. I don't know how far that will take you. I don't know that life because I've never lived that life. I don't know that life. I've never lived a life just coming to church and just get some info. And just, you know, have my regular practice of just coming to church, do my couple ministries, you know. Come to church, be an usher or a greeter. Come to church, work in the kitchen. Come to church, do some music. Come to church, just do something in the church. come here and do it, And just do my two things or my three things and just go home and just do my regular... I don't know what that is. I don't. I know. God, I want to know you. And I want to be able to be your hands and your feet. I want to get involved with what you're involved in. Everything else that I do in church is good. But the number one thing I'm going to be is a disciple maker. So if I have talent to handle music, that's cool. But I'm going to be a disciple maker. If I have talent... To Do some other things, that's cool, but I'm going to be a disciple maker because that's what I that's what God called me to be. Everything else is just that I have some talent to do it, so I do it. Let's stay. Any questions? Did I give you a chance? Any questions? No questions? Hmm.